This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, more on the Twitter deal with Elon Musk. A pleasure to welcome in Pinar Yildirim, who is Assistant Professor of Marketing at the Wharton School. Pinar, great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. So as this has all kind of been playing out over the last couple of weeks, give us your thoughts on on the, the potential of a Twitter platform owned by Elon Musk. Uh, yes. Uh, so, Dan, of course, this is uh, a very interesting and a, a big development at the same time because Twitter is a very influential platform. It is uh, one of the, the remaining public discourse spaces that we have. So as a, as a business professor, the way that, that I think about this is, A, of course, this is a business opportunity. And from a business opportunity perspective, it makes a lot of sense because the way that Twitter was built over the years and, and managed by Jack Dorsey, Again, maintain this public discourse space mentality very much. If you speak to the employees, the, the executives, you will you will hear this. They think of the mission of the platform above and beyond the monetization strategies. So many features of this platform over the years remained flat, underdeveloped. Many monetization strategies were not taken advantage of. So as a business opportunity, it made sense. It, it makes a lot of sense to be able to to acquire a company like Twitter and try to to uh, take advantage of those low-hanging fruits. At the same time, I mean, you think of a platform like Twitter, which is so unique in its features. It's a platform that brings ordinary citizens together with public figures, celebrities, and, and creates a communication. It's a platform where we see companies announce products for the first time, politicians announce their campaigns for the first time. We see um, wars being managed on, on this platform. So it has tremendous influence. And from that second perspective, you know, as a scholar, I think this is not just an investment in business. It's also an investment in managing public discourse or, or having an influence on public discourse or buying influence. And that second part uh, makes me think a little more, makes me pause. <laughs> so I can yeah. tell you that much so far. Well, I would think that, you know, just the general thoughts around around Twitter lately is that if this deal does go through, that there's an expectation that there will be certain changes that are made for the platform uh, over the course of the next few years. Yes. And of course, Musk is not silent about these. He has been very critical of the way Twitter had been managed over the years, and he is announcing at least he is stating that he plans to make some changes. And I would agree that some of those changes are, again, low-hanging fruits, right? This this platform has remained over the years very, uh, very flat as far as its futures. You don't have too many bells and whistles, even something as simple as being able to edit your tweet, right? It's something that a lot of consumers would want to see. They haven't exactly integrated those simple features. And again, uh, you know, if you wanted to go full monetization route, you could integrate many features and create spaces where Twitter could become easily a strong competitor to platforms like Instagram or TikTok. Twitter hasn't done this exactly. And I, again, I think the main reason was not to try to corrupt the, the content or not to change the nature of conversation on this platform, uh, not to try to over-commercialize it or oversell the features of the platform. But for, from a business perspective, or if you were to simply keep this company public and, and try to think of the, the stakeholder, the shareholder perspective, 
you would want to integrate some of those features that they will generate revenue, they will make the advertisers happy. Uh, so those are some of the features that we can think that they might consider integrating. And again, they are low-hanging fruits. They might generate revenue in the short term. But at the same time, we've been hearing about some other features, right? And, and we'll have to see exactly how Musk goes around doing this, if you know that the people that he appoints, if they have a different plan. Um, the features around content moderation, which is very important. Um, who gets to speak on these platforms? Who gets to be silenced on these platforms? This is a, a headache for most online social networks, and it's a tremendous uh, responsibility. Most platforms try not to have overbearing rules, but at the same time, they realize it's very important for them to, to try to, to somehow control the information. A, for misinformation reasons, because platforms such as Twitter are very subject to misinformation, uh, as well as disinformation, right? Purpose, purposeful misinformation. And of course, um, from the perspective of keeping the consumer happy. There, there is, you know, there are a number of subjects over which people may not feel comfortable hearing or seeing tweets. That might be just simply graphic content, uh, sensitive content, but most mm -hmm. often it's just the everyday discussions of politics. Right? People do not feel yeah. comfortable seeing the conflict, the confrontation. We have seen this on Facebook after the, the election, the first Trump election. Some individuals were very silenced and they wanted to move away from the platform because of that, that political conflict. Now, relaxing some of these community rules such that people have the incentive to speak, anything that comes to mind, that might backfire in the long term because it's going to make some individuals very unhappy or, or want to, they will not want to engage with the platform as much. So even though in the short term, it might create more engagement in the platform. In the long term, the question would be, how would the, the content and how would the, the culture, the nature of, of this platform would look like? Would it still maintain the public discourse aspects? Or would consumers look for alternate platforms to move to, especially if they feel uncomfortable with this um, full free speech environment? So those are aspects that we are going to watch carefully and see because it, again, Twitter has been very, um, very influential in influencing our public and private lives, and yeah. and um, we'll keep an eye on it. Then, taking all of that into into uh, into play here, and obviously, I think we're talking about not a process uh, in terms of what Twitter will be that will play out over months, but over years. At its best, then, what do you think Twitter could be? So at its best, I mean, I tend to think of, A, the public mission as well as the business mission of Twitter. And, and these are not always aligned. These, these uh, you know, the best public place would not necessarily have full freedom of speech, but it might create opportunities for people to decide what they want to hear, what they want to listen to, and set their settings, preferences such that, uh, they decide again from whom to hear on what kind of content to hear and what kind of content to share. So some some level of freedom given to consumers as far as what's the, what what should be um, spoken or what they should hear on these platforms or whom they should hear from. So that would be, I think, one of the the best ways to to think about this platform. But it would still manage. Um, an ability to keep its existing consumers and keep them engaged and keep the, the public discourse going on in, in one place. 
Uh, at the same time, if I were to just put on a business person hat and think about the monetization strategies, maybe I would care less about creating the public discourse, but think more about the features that I could integrate to be able to to give a voice to, to creative uh, communities. So let's give more features, uh, more content creation opportunities, really take advantage of the fact that people are real-time tuning into Twitter to listen to news, to be inspired, to hear from the people uh, that they wouldn't regularly not be able to to contact and be in contact or communicate with. So uh, the business perspective or the 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 best Twitter from a business perspective looks very different than the the Twitter that's created for public discourse in that sense. Well, and I think, Pinar, that would bring to me the question of whether or not as Twitter develops moving forward, it's not always relying on other news sources for those stories that appear on, but maybe there is a component that builds out over time of Twitter having its own kind of uh, of news source, news outlet that it is able to develop for its own site moving forward. Um, perhaps. I feel that that might not necessarily be the best route because right now there's already so much news information that's circulating, either from official okay. news outlets or from individual um, ordinary citizens information that's coming through in real time. And this is where we go, right? If you think that there's an event happening around the world, the first place that you go to find information typically ends up being Twitter. Uh, this real-time nature or giving incentive for the, the journalism community or individual, individuals to share information first on Twitter, if you create a competition that's uh, more sort of a centralized news source, that might not uh, encourage the same behavior or it might discourage the behavior to some extent. So I think they want to keep um, investing into this and they want to create more incentives perhaps for the journalists or, again, creative community, whether that might be artists, musicians, influencers, creating that community and giving them incentives to to share their best content on Twitter right. first would be the best thing to do from a business perspective. Um, but, again, that's a very different Twitter than the Twitter that we have today, and we're not right. necessarily talking about uh, you know uh, the same company if all, all of right. these follow. Pinar, great to have you with us. Thank you for your insight. All the best. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, bud. Thank you. Pinar Yildir, I'm Assistant Professor of Marketing at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.